welcome back to This Believe Land is Your Land podcast. Uh, I am joined in the studio by uh, my usual host, Mike Krupka, and also by our special guest, uh, Luke Rowan. Welcome back, Luke. It's good to be here. Uh, if you guys remember, we had Luke on a couple shows ago, and I uh, almost shit myself laughing. Um, we had a great time. Uh, one of the funnier podcasts we've done. And we said at the time, like, when when babies call and when work calls, we, we need um, some, we need a Cape Crusader to swoop in and, and help out and be the, the extra guy. And, and so you're going to be our all-time understudy as long as you're willing. I, I have no problem with it. I have my own man cave, so I'm, I'm a, a semi-poor Batman. You know how I knew it was your man cave? Because it's got one chair in it? No, because there's literally a sign behind your head that says That's man true. cave. <laughs> it does. <laughs> That's an aggressive commitment. If I proclaim it, it must be so. <laughs> with my wife's approval. <laughs> this, this is a great it's, it's a great callback to earlier seasons of the show when Mike Krupka used to put signs on the wall behind him that none of us could read they were backwards I think right <laughs> I think free Josh Gordon was like go pot one it was like all in <laughs> seven different orders it was amazing uh, we talked a little bit about uh, before recording the show this is most likely going to be the last podcast that we record before uh, the blessed um, season begins to roll in. Training camp is here. Before we have something legitimate to talk about, besides uh, fake power rankings and this, this, the seventh round pick of the supplemental draft, like it's just we've exhausted most of the, sp- the sports storylines. We have a couple of the like we're getting ready for the season type things to talk about, but for the most part, people are ready. People are chomping at the bit. Everyone I talk to about sports, it inevitably either turns to NBA free agency and what's what's going on over there or football. We're just in the dead season for uh, baseball. Still a couple months before that, that picks up and gets serious. Um, so, so this is it. We're all ready for it. I'm, I'm super excited about training camp today. Um, I, I, the single game tickets for the Browns went on sale this morning or this afternoon at two o'clock and uh, the internet was a buzz and a flutter about that. And I'll tell you what, like looking at the schedule, um, it's hard to pick games this year. I don't know about you guys and where you're at. I know, Mike, you're, you're kind of a special case in Hawaii, but uh, every single game, every single away game I'm looking at, I'm like, well, well, this is a cool city to visit. This is, the, you know, this is, this is a fun spot to go to. Like, and, I, and I'm, re, uh, you know, kind of bouncing around in my head with a fun place to go to. Finally settled to start out with, with Arizona in large parts because the Tucson food scene is supposed to be incredible. I got family out that way, and it's really tough to turn down a trip in December Arizona and the warm weather and the pools and the golf and, and all that that entails. Um, are there any, are there uh, with single tickets on sale? Is there anything that's jumping out to you guys? You're like, I got to check it out in this spot. Okay. Well, so if you're going to, to Phoenix, uh, you got to get up to Sedona because that's, that's food scene up there in Sedona. It's a couple okay. hours North, but it's, it's phenomenal. I was actually, well, my wife and I went to the grand Canyon for our honeymoon and Sedona has, amazing food it, that whole town is nothing but but tourists it's kind of it's a um it's hawaii without green uh <laughs> nothing but tourism so that's it's it's the only thing so sedona is really cool um i've been to san francisco i have mixed feelings on san fran food's really good i'm from the midwest i like double cheeseburgers i like meat and, and the, the, you know, steak and steak, all that stuff. And when I got a burger out in uh, San Francisco on the wharfs, uh, they put a little bit of grass on it. And the, and I said, no, no, I want more of what ate the grass. <laughs> looked at me like I was an alien. 
So don't storm my house. I'm not in Area 51, please. So, but so yeah, they, they kind of skimp on the meat in San Francisco if you go to like a hipster kind of place. So, um, so you're exclusively looking at like cold weather de- destinations. They're going to have like ribs and beef and cheese. Yeah. And all right, fair I'd enough. rather be cold than hot. Cause you can always put more clothes on. Fair enough. So, true. That's just me. True. True. Mike, what about you? Yeah, I think uh, some of the family might be considering a trip to Denver. So that's kind of been on my radar a little bit. Uh, I've never been to Denver actually really outside of back and forth to, to Cleveland. And then my time traveling when I was in college and in high school and whatnot with sports. Um, yeah, I just, I haven't been well-traveled. So uh, Denver would be a, an interesting destination for me. I think San Francisco would be fun as well, but I think uh, I'd rather, and I would defer to where the, where the family goes. So that's uh, sure. that's the only one on my ra- my radar right now. That's that's fair. Uh, for some reason, well, it's not for some reason. Colorado has an enormous ex-Cleveland contingent because they've got a lot of expats in Colorado. It's one of these places that has grown by leaps and bounds over the last couple of years. Denver's been a hot spot uh, for a lot of different industries. So there's a lot of ex-Browns guys out there, and there's also a lot of people who looked at the schedule and immediately circled that Denver date. A lot of people were talking about that today as they were looking at away games. Um, also, if we're talking about best tailgate spots or best places to go to for just the food scene. Colorado amongst away games is a really tough one to beat. Yeah, I would agree. Their, uh, their, their food scene is pretty phenomenal. They, um, there's a whole industry out there that has grown leaps and bounds in the last uh, <laughs> two years. So uh, they have to have a good food scene. Um, I'm, I don't, I've only been through Denver once, uh, but I, from what I remember, uh, this is, 17 years ago, uh, not 20 years ago. Um, everything was great. I don't, I didn't have a, a bad memory. It's just weird. Dry. I drove through Colorado. So it's weird when you come in from the East border, it's flat and then you drive into the Rockies. Um, so I, I can't have, I don't have anything bad to say, you know, other than the whole Broncos thing. I think a lot of people want to go to that game just because of what Denver did to us twice that they want to go do it to them after we beat them last year. They want to go do it again uh, sure. handily just so they can see John Elway's look, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. There was a little bit of extra relish on that, uh, that late night game from last year when, when they, when they were able to find and that and they just, they've had a hard time with Denver over the years too. It wasn't just that game. Like Denver's been a squad that's given the Browns a ton of trouble. So it was good to see them like a get off the snide and B do it in such an enjoyable way. Not a lot of news in the NFL over the last uh, week. I thought it was really interesting around the NFL podcast, guys. We're talking about running backs because the uh, Melvin Gordon uh, fiasco is playing out out there. Basically, the the two sides are really far apart on what Melvin thinks he has valued, what the Chargers think that he is valued at. And, and they used some recent running back contracts as a guy. And they just said that trying to anticipate what a running back is worth and pay them a fair wage in today's NFL is it's just impossible with the short lifespan of these guys and the value you get from guys that are late around picks or come out of nowhere, like paying these guys, you know, 12 to $15 million just isn't a, it isn't a smart move. Um, and, and I think that the Browns are probably a really good example of that. Um, I don't, I don't know how you handle that Melvin Gordon extension, but he's basically said that he will hold out his rookie year if he doesn't get a new contract, even though that'll just put him back on the team the year after. I don't know what you do if you're either side of that argument. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting position to be in. I mean, I think looking from it, from my perspective anyways, I think both, both sides have a, 
a decent take in it, except for the fact that he's still under contract. I mean, he's a, he's a damn good running back. Uh, he probably values himself obviously pretty highly, but I think the team also is in the more modern mindset where, yeah, running back is important, but how much, you know, cap percentage you put into just one player, especially a running back. Um, and I think that kind of also touches on um, just a lot of what we've seen in the NFL with, with running backs recently. So I, I can't fault either side, except for, again, I, I look at Gordon's contract situation and he's still under contract. So it's like play out your final year and then negotiate after that. But that's just, again, my perspective. I think I, I agree wholeheartedly, Mike. I think that the time period of the 2,000-yard rusher, pure rusher, is gone. Yeah. The, the league is – you know, I was just talking to my father-in-law about this this past weekend that up until 15 years ago, even less than that, you played between the hashes. And then as the college game decided, oh, we can, we can play outside the hashes, the NFL has slowly adopted that mentality – and the Adrian Petersons of the world, the, those guys, I don't want to say they're antiquated, but their skill set only serves half of the play calling. Yep. And that's what made Le'Veon Bell so dangerous and, and the money. Yeah. And I don't want to say Saquon Barkley's worth that kind of money being the number two overall draft pick last year, but they're going to run into that. The Giants are. How do you pay somebody who's already making that kind of money in four, in four or five years? We just found out, I think, today that Ezekiel Elliott's going to hold out potentially. Um, he's He does everything. Melvin Gordon does everything. It's a hard market um, I, for these these agents to determine their value and then the teams to agree on that value just because of their limited snaps. And yeah. – their influence now that it is a multiple running back, you know, team. So whether we keep, you know, Duke or we run with Dontrell or Kareem Hunt does play the full eight games with us, or he's back next year. It's a two headed monster with Nick Chubb. It's, it's never going to just be Nick Chubb. I think the, uh, the only other thing I can, <clears throat> this will maybe touch on, I know something else that we talked about lining up for the podcast, but I mean, you also look at running backs and you look at all the research I was glancing through stuff by football outsiders anyways before the before the pod here and you know things like you know the the number of snaps the season before and the obviously the number of snaps that you're getting in the current season uh you know those things all play into your injury potential as well as running back being I think the the top per you know percentage wise per game like what your probability is to get injured I think it's over five percent if you're running back so you look at those things from a contractual standpoint from the team and again in the modern day you've got to really diversify your risk there and that's why you know teams are going to that more college style spread offense or at least passing the ball more often looking to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly uh, those types of things which essentially devalue the running back as you were saying as a pure pound the ball type of philosophy so I think you just got to pick and choose your, your your debate there, and it's going to be interesting to see where that value falls out between, like you said, the agents and the team. And uh, I also wonder, does the potential holdout have anything to do with it? I, I don't know. Does that make sense to anybody? Is that something that would impact his decision? But other than that, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think you, I think if you get into a situation like we're seeing now, where we we know that running backs are enormously more valuable on their first contract than they'll ever be again both in terms of production and age and, and in um, the, the cost 
that you're getting on return for their rookie year contracts where they're making, you know, seven, $8 million a year versus, you know, 13, 14. Um, and that that's, you know, first and second round picks where a lot of these guys were drafted later. So if we know that that is the best value is when they're on their first contracts and we know that they're going to start holding out at the end of these first contracts, then you're really just going to see the running backs torpedoing their own draft position. You're going to see, teams become reluctant to draft guys in the first round or even the top of the second round if they're just if they're going to run into this problem immediately. Um, and, and so it's this like kind of self-fulfilling prophecy where the position is already devalued from the salary standpoint, the position is already devalued in the draft somewhat, and now you're going to make it a trial to draft dudes in the first round because they may not sit around even to the end of the, the, the first contract. And I think like what you said, Mike, about the contract, let's, let's look at Le'Veon Bell, right? He held out last year from, from the Stoolers, and where's he at now? He's with the Jets with a rookie QB on a rookie contract so they can afford to pay him. Melvin Gordon playing for the Chargers. Phillip Rivers is what, on his 13th contract now? What is he, like 105? So <laughs> No, he has 105 kids. He's, oh, he's 105 kids. But he yeah. never curses, so he's a great guy. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be when you look at, even with the Ezekiel Elliott, they're going to have – I wouldn't pay Dak, but I, we are blessed with Baker Mayfield. But when four years from now, when Baker renegotiates his contract, I think we're all going to go, do we pay Baker Mayfield or do we pay Nick Chubb? I think we yeah. know where that's going. I mean, as much as I love Nick Chubb, we are going to gravitate towards Baker because we all know that the quarterback makes this team. And if you don't play quarterback or the Miles Garrett or Demarius Randall or Denzel Ward or Greedy Williams, asking for top money is – kind of barking up the wrong tree because you didn't play the right position, in my opinion. Yeah, you're right. And and, and that's going to – we're going to have an interesting debate in two more seasons, three, three more seasons about whether spending the number three, the 33 overall – or excuse me, they used 33 on Corbett, but using a top 50 pick on a running back was then good value. What constitutes good value if you're only going to get four years and you're never going to be able to – you're never going to use the money – on, on a second round uh, pick when you, when you have guys later on that might be of similar worth. I guess it does though, to that point, Josh, I mean, what did you get out of him in those four years is the other mm-hmm. trade off of that. I mean, if he comes in and continues to produce like he did last year, you know, can get you 1200 yards rushing, gets more involved as a pass catcher, which I believe is the plan for 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're splitting carries with another guy, if he can come in and give you high production, then maybe that equation doesn't work out so negatively in the, you know, was that a valuable pick? But I get where you're going with taking a running back early is, is it, it becomes a little bit dicey. Um, and on that note, I'm actually really, really interested um, with the news this last week that uh, Duke Johnson has signed with Drew Rosenhaus, who was everyone's favorite villain. Um, we're, we're, it's, it's, it's time to start spinning up the film and looking at Gary Silliard as, as a running back because that, that day is coming sooner rather than later, whether it's, before the season, during training camp, during the early parts of the season or the offseason, um, Duke Johnson's days at the Browns is, is, is numbered. There's no way he's sticking around uh, long-term. He probably wasn't anyway, but this is kind of the final nail in the coffin. So um, Darius Hilliard, we were, we were discussing a little bit before we started recording, is a, a kid added to Lane who a lot of really smart Browns analysts loved coming uh, when, when the Browns acquired him. They, they said that this guy has great athletic profile numbers. He's kind of a modern running back to do catch um we saw a little bit of that pass catching ability last year in limited dose and he it was it was as described it was as predicted 
Um, what will be curious uh, for everyone this year, and I think everyone will have eyes on it in training camp, is what kind of a running back can he be? Uh, I, ha- I know I personally haven't grinded uh, a lot of that to Lane Tape to know any better. Uh, Mike, do you have thoughts on, on what he's going to be um, when they start plugging him in? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think – Obviously, he's gotten limited snaps at the pro, at the pro level, and if you pay attention at all to the OTAs and what Coach Kitchens had to say, it, you know the the team themselves are very confident in him, and they really like what he brings to the table. But they want to see that confidence exude in him and his playing style, and some of that's going to come with, I guess, experience. But when you look at him as a runner, I think he can do everything Duke Johnson does, and so. Uh, is he going to be a between-the-tackles, just all-out mauler? No, he's not, but he's got a, a really quick extra second and third gear. Uh, you know, I believe he's a, he's a decent pass catcher. He's going to give you the value as a, as a return man as well. And you know, if Duke is going to, to go, uh, then you know, we see running backs come into new situations and new teams all the time and thrive. That's part of what plays into our previous discussion is that the value overall is kind of diminishing. I mean, running backs can be replaced pretty easily. Uh, a lot of them can be system running backs. Uh, and this guy is a very athletic player, and I think he can certainly replace what Duke Johnson is going to give you unless you think Duke Johnson is like, a, you know, a number one type of bell, bell cow back. Did you guys see being over? Did you see that that uh, Kareem Hunt was uh, a ninety in his Madden ratings versus Nick Chubb at an eighty-five? And eighty-five with the way they scored this year was actually a really high rated. Yeah, I saw that. I saw everyone going crazy about it. I don't know if you saw it, Luke, but uh, system running backs, man, system running back with a ninety well, score. That's a well. I didn't say he. I said. <laughs> I, I think there's some confirmation bias going on at EA. I mean, if you think about what what uh, Kareem did his rookie year. I, I believe he was the league-leading league rusher, um, and he was one of the more dangerous running backs that year. Uh, last year, he was just as dangerous before the suspension and, and everything. So, and, and the whole scenario went down. Uh, I mean, it's not like he tore his ACL. He just... He made a really dumb decision. I don't think that affects his athletic ability. And he was rated higher than Chubb last year. Uh, I think if Chubb had played all 16 games last year and they didn't give him five carries in the Oakland game and he ran for, you know, hell, he could have ran for 2,000 yards in that game. I mean, they were lanes everywhere that that he was doing. He could have – I mean, it was just unbelievable. Then he'd probably be higher. So everyone's freaking out about Baker Mayfield being an 83 and Chubb being an 85. It's a video game. It's it's for it's for us to have fun with right. on Monday through Saturday. Uh, on Sunday, when the, those of us who are at the game are watching the game, when they win, that's all that matters. It's a video game, and everyone needs to just relax. It's not real life. And it's the summertime. Go outside and enjoy it a little bit. I love that that's Mike Tilly's return. Like, it's the summertime. Go outside and play. Like, it's 95 degrees outside here with 100% humidity. You we go don't outside get diving with sharks. Dude. Yeah. Okay? We, we have to like. I walked my dog this morning at 7.30 for 20 minutes and came back sweating bullets. It is hot out here. It is the hottest it's been in a long time. But, yes, you're right. I do use that all the time. I don't use it in December because that would be a total dick move. But um, Yeah, you definitely don't do that in December. I've never heard you say go outside in December. I don't don't say go outside in December. You just post pictures of scenic getaways. Um, But to your point about uh, system system running backs, though, I mean – 
look at Austin, you know, Ekeler or whatever his name is from, from the Chargers. Um, Eckler. And then even, da- you know, Damon Williams. I mean, he, they're just going to replace you, and you're going to get what you get with that guy in, in your system behind your offensive line with the play calling that you get. You're going to let those guys' athletic abilities do the talking for them, and they just need a chance. And so my point is, it, it, you know, Duke Johnson is not Melvin Gordon. Duke Johnson is not Kareem Hunt. I mean, we have Kareem Hunt on our roster, which is crazy enough to think about, but my point is you can replace him with somebody else, and I think Dontrell Hilliard just needs those, those opportunities and hopefully he gets that confidence this season because he, he's going to see some snaps. Spoiler alert, like, Damian Williams is really good. I'm just right. saying, like, regardless, like, system running back all you want, that kid, is, that kid can play. I watched well, the last – he was on my fantasy team going down the stretch, so I watched him play, and they're not going to miss a beat. Well, I think it depends on having the quarterback as well. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is – he's a threat. I mean, he, he's, he's pretty talented. So, I – you know – Damian Williams playing on, let's say, the 2005 round. In the box. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you have a quarterback that can throw the ball 75 yards, I, I think you, you have to kind of back it up a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But even still, I like the kid. He's going to go, I'm assuming, really high in everybody's fantasy draft because people are – he's going to be the worst kept, kept secret in the league. Um. The other news that we talked about, we, we got sidetracked a little bit off the news. The other uh, bit of news was this talk about an 18-game season, and people hate the talk about the 18-game season. I, I'm, I'm not necessarily for or against the 18-game season, but I am very pro talking about the 18-game season because I think that some of the stuff that they're talking about, like only being able to play your starters for 16 regular season games, whether I like that or not, that is really out of the box thinking. That's really like that's a that's a great. It's two in the morning. We've had seven Guinnesses, and we're talking about the league. Like, give me your best. Give me your shot. Like, get your hot takes up about what how you would structure your season, knowing that you had that axe kind of hanging over your head. And I think that is a fascinating discussion. So I, I think this is this has been the most talked about thing today. So I was on the road all day today and I was on Sirius XM radio on the NFL radio. And they talked about this from six o'clock in the morning until the time I got home at four o'clock. <laughs> I mean, every single show from Lance Meadow, Pat Kerwin, all of them. Uh, the best one I heard was a guy called in actually from Ohio and said, you know, we need to, we need to, to create an extra playoff game and have a true wild card. And, and the one guy's like, well, what if a seven, nine team gets in? Well, you know, the, the team that gets in the wild card with baseball doesn't always have a great record. It's, it's a wild card game. You're not expecting a 7-9 team to win that game. But didn't a six-seeded Patriots win the Super Bowl? Or was it the six-seeded Giants that got to the Super Bowl? I mean, there's, there are times when six-seeds play good for four games. So it's not just times. There was, there was a run, I remember, with the last Patriots Super Bowl – in which, like, the wild card had won, like, two or three Super Bowls in a row, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so, I mean, it, last year would have been the 7-9 Falcons, they said, would have been the wild card team. And I have no problem with it because it's up to the 10-6 and six or 11-5 and five team that they're playing to beat them. It would, it, have meant it, that, it would have meant that the Steelers made the playoffs last year. It also – well – Theoretically, it could have been if the Browns would have won, they would have made the playoffs if they'd beaten the Ravens. True. Because they would have been 8-7-1 and one 
uh-huh. versus seven, eight, and one, and, and had a winning record. So, I mean, who knows? Right. And this brings me back. I don't know why. I just wanted to research to double check, but it, it brought me back immediately to the Packers. And I remember they got in as a wild card and made it all the way to the Super Bowl. And it just creates that that parity, right? That anyone can win on Sunday, go out and prove it type of uh, competition, as opposed to just some. You know, this is this is the team that did the best in the regular season. Sometimes it's the team that is peaking at the end that may be the best team, uh, if given the proper opportunities to go out and prove it. So I like that idea. Uh, I think one of the stipulations that I would need to see to be stoked about an 18 game season is you got to expand the roster, and yeah. you got and you got to expand the the rules around the practice squad, and. I'll also say that I have listened to absolutely zero and read absolutely zero about this. Uh, I just haven't had time to. Um, I, I, I saw it. I kind of rolled my eyes at it and said, okay, we'll see. But those are the first things that jump out at me. You know, you've, you've got to expand the roster size. You've got to work on the way you can stash guys, even if they come up and play for a game or two. You've got to still be able to stash them somehow on your, on your practice squad or so, some, some ways to facilitate more advantage, advantages to the team. Um, and, and, and complying to these rules. So the NFL did a study by adding two games of legitimate games and taking away two preseason games would add almost $2 billion in revenue. I'm going to say that again. $2 billion in revenue for two yep. games. So this is exactly like when they saw the data come back from the states, the first two states that legalized marijuana. Yep. And they were like, this is what the cost value of doing this was, and it became an if, not a when. Is that what I'm hearing? So, the players are going to know that. I think what's going to be the biggest holdup is changing all the contracts that are stated for 16 games to 18 games because mm-hmm. you can't just say, okay, we're going to pay you $4 million for 16, now $4 million for 18. No, it's going to be like $4.2 million or $4.3 million for the Everyone's contracts is going to have to go up, increase salary cap, just like you said, Mike, with the increased. Uh, I, I think all 53 should be able to dress on Sunday. You shouldn't be. 49 yeah. or whatever it is. It's a weird, why have 53 on your active roster if only 49 can dress? Um, practice squad should be expanded out. And then, uh, you know, potentially a second bye week. And then I think that any player on IR should be able to come back at any time. I don't think it should be, have to wait till week eight or six weeks later, whatever that stupid rule is. Yeah. You know, if you come back, you come back. It's, it's everything. And then the, if the NFL is going to go to 18 games, they have to make a serious commitment to um, streamlining the, the CTE and concussion protocol. I know that in Canton here in Ohio, part of the Hall of Fame is building a, a neuro institute to study CTE and treat former players. The NFL is going to have to come up with some of that money to make the NFLPA happy where they're putting that really into studying what this does to their brain because we're asking players to give up more th- it's not just money. It's now their bodies for an extra two games. And if you play 10 years, 20 games, that's a whole nother season. That's like playing 21 years now. So they got to put some money into the player's future. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the point that plays into my next thought, which was this is really, I think, all going to kind of percolate until the new uh, you know, NFLPA meetings happen and, and the lockout happens. And you're going to see this probably rolled into a package, right, that, that – comes out after that once it's all been negotiated and ironed out. And I, I would imagine, Josh, to your point earlier, you're going to see a lot less, and we've heard and, and seen the breadcrumbs, but you're going to see a lot less um, pushback and more acceptance of the NFL for, for marijuana as an alternative for, for pain management, which plays into, okay, you're going to ask me to play two more games, then you know I don't want to pump myself full of 
this, that, and the other thing via a needle or these pills, you know, give me something that I can, you know, manage my pain without, without doing that. And so that would just be my prediction as I look ahead. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I don't understand the game day restrictions at all. Uh, it's, it, it doesn't like, if you have a 53 man roster, you've already had to make the, the tough cuts. Like what, what are they afraid of? What are they afraid is going to happen if you have an extra seven or eight guys on the bench? They're going to swap jerseys. <laughs> it's going to be like college. and no number idea. out there. <laughs> I have no right. idea. Right. It's an antiquated rule. So um, before, uh, before training camp starts, is there anything that you're hoping to hear about? Is there anything that you could see happening um, or that, that that's been rumored uh, for, for, for prep for this season that you'd like to see be closed out? I don't think it's going to happen, but I know they started to talk about it. I'd like to see a Randall extension done before camp. Oh, yes. I agree. I mean, and figuring out, what, figuring out what that dollar value is for Randall is going to be absolutely impossible. The guy's played one season on his rookie year at his real position in a Greg Williams defense in which nobody looks good, and he still managed to look good in that. If they're going to give him a contract before the season starts, like I don't know how you put a dollar figure on that. Yeah. So today on Twitter, it's kind of funny. It, like we said, the Madden ratings came out, and I think I think Demarius is like an 85 or 86. Mm-hmm. And, again, according to the new ratings, that's pretty good. I don't know. Yeah. But he made this comment about what other free safety has covered a number one wide receiver because if I'm if my brain serves me correct, didn't he cover Mike Evans against the Bucks? Yeah. Right? Because we had a couple guys down that game. And Alonzo Highsmith kind of chirped in. And responded, you know, about some kid like in high school or something that he played with, whatever. And and Zoe was like, no, you're really a good player. And so I think the Browns want to do something. Yeah. But this year's free safety money got crazy. I think they said last year that the average free safety made like 10 or 11 million. And this year jumped to 15. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of those positions where the free safety five years ago was just an extra guy to make a tackle. And now with the spread off, you know, these RPOs and this spread out offense, the center fielder free safety really is your last line of defense. His value is now seeing an uptick. And it's the inverse of running backs because of that, that new offensive systems we're seeing. So I don't feel bad. I I don't envy the Browns or any team having to figure out how to pay a safety, but if he does everything you do and he doesn't make a mistake, pay that man. Pay him. It, the problem is that we've been saying pay that man now about half a dozen to a dozen guys, and that's before the biggest names on the roster are going to be eligible for an extension. Browns are only going to be able to pay that man for a couple more mans before like, we start having a hard time paying the bills on guys that are going to come due. I think if you look at the salary of some of these players, the Christmas and the Jarvis Landry, I'm sure Pete's going to be loving hearing that about how I'm actually saying Jarvis is either going to have to restructure. Uh, some of these guys are going to have to restructure their contracts. And that's, that's how it's going to be. That, that's what every team does. You either restructure if you want to stay on here and win rings, or we're going to find somebody younger. There's plenty of receivers on this roster that can do what Jarvis does. Maybe not as showboaty, right? Maybe not as much flash and as flexing when he catches that first down. But everybody's paid to catch the ball. So they will find someone to do it for cheaper. Yeah, and I, you guys all make fantastic points, and restructuring is definitely on the horizon, as is the, the age of us you know, watching good players walk away. It's going to happen, and we're going to have to be prepared for that, I think, 
Ravens do it every year. Yeah. Um, for the Browns, to you guys' point, uh, you know, shoring up a free safety, if you think he's the guy, I'm a huge proponent of that. The, the middle of the field, the deep middle of the field, a guy who can, can, can snag the ball, but who can also come down and, and make tackles consistently uh, and efficiently. I think that is just a really good skill set. So assuming the Browns feel good about it, I, again, I don't know what dollar value they're going to put on it, but again, I just want to see it done. I, that would make me feel really good. Um, give me the, the warm and fuzzies. Me too. And I think that he's a personality that your defensive backfield needs, especially a young group of DBs. I think that he brings a swagger that these guys uh, kind of gravitate towards and like. He's model citizen. He, you know, is beloved by teammates. And he, like you said, he fills all the roles. He checks all the boxes. Unfortunately, I, I think that he's going to want, and, and maybe I'm just guessing, but I think he's going to want the low teens with a decent amount of, you know, he's going to like low teens. I mean like 12, 13. And I think, uh, he's going to want a, a, a surprising amount of that guaranteed given the, the contracts that the Browns have been throwing around for the last couple of years. And I just, I don't, I don't see that being an easy thing. I could see them tagging him for a year um, and then rolling the dice with, with uh, red wine. I think that if he was a 12 or 13, I think that deal would be done. Tyron Matthew was, a, I think a one year, $15 million deal. Uh, I, I think he's, if he's looking at that, he's looking at, 16, 17 million, in my opinion. I, I mean, I think he's looking more towards the, the spectrum of 20 million a year. Yeah. Um, that would be hard to swallow, just because you're right. We do have to pay guys down the road, and you can only restructure so much and, and move stuff as bonuses or whatever. I like that he's now arguing his previous argument, like for us. He decided, like, you're going to do that. Like, no, I, I, no, I think if he was 12 or 13, you, you take that deal all day. But I think if you, the money has to, you know, the juice has to be worth the squeeze, yeah. right? And so if he's 12 or 13 million, you, you take that, you take that squeeze and you say, okay, we can make this work. We can figure this out. We can restructure Jarvis. We can roll something into a bonus. At a certain point, it doesn't make sense financially or fiscally from a cap percentage wise on where you have money tied up because you're right. Your argument of we have to pay other guys and other the man down the road with Denzel, Miles, you know, Baker, et cetera. So th- you, there's a there's a tipping point, right? Of it's almost like the the scale of how many cats a girl has before she's no longer attractive. You <laughs> <laughs> don't want to. We don't want to get to that tipping point where she has 15 cats. And it's like I'm I'm over this. Like, you're not no. So 16, 17 million, no way. 10, 12, well, 12, 13 million, you can deal with. So that's I think the tipping point for the Browns. Yeah, and. I think the important thing to recall or, and remember here is just that, that they started to have preliminary discussions only, yeah. right? So at this point, they haven't really even done anything. They haven't been able to, to iron out anything. They haven't been able to really kind of gauge where his interest is or what his value is. And I think what we might find is the team trying to find a middle ground, maybe on a shorter contract, kind of a, a prove it contract to the point that, you know, this is only your, your, your you know, first real year playing free safety. You did great. Uh, but, you know, we want to see you continue that before we give you the big bucks. But we want you to stay on and play for us because we want you to be a Brown and we know you want to be a Brown. And I, and I think kind of giving him that sort of boost in value because he is still on his rookie deal, right? Yeah. So he's still kind of making breadcrumbs. You kind of pay him, get, you know, maybe give him a, a nice signing bonus up front, make him happy. Again, give him a mediocre contract, approve it contract more or less. You, you do have red wine developing behind him. And then you're in a position where, again, if he plays great, then you can decide, well, let's pay him some big bucks. Or you can just say, yeah, well, we gave you an opportunity, but now Red Wine's ready. So 
I think something more like that is going to be the, the more realistic landing spot. But again, we don't know. We have no idea. It's just everything is preliminary. So this will be the ultimate test for John Dorsey. This is going to, this is going to, John has brought in a lot of great guys. I think we can all agree the trades he's made, the signings he's made up into this point have been fantastic. Where his evaluations have gone as a, for, for these, you know, college kids becoming pros, like I said, with Sheldrick Redwine, with Greedy Williams, when these kids are ready and have to step up at 23, 24 years old and be the man, because you've got somebody like Demarius walk away. If those kids can develop and fill those shoes and excel, you're good to go. Then you're let you're allowed to, you let them walk and take the comp pick. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And maybe we get to that place. Um, I think it's a good problem to have. Like we said earlier, that's Ravens and Steelers have been doing that for years, um, just having to let guys go because they're up against the cap and they had to, to pay the, the quality guys that they have. With that said, um, fellas, this is pretty much it. This is uh, the last off-season slog that we're going to have to go through until around next April. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. And, and who, if you're listening, don't be the douche that sells training camp tickets. They're free. Don't be that guy. Come on, folks. Like, don't, don't be that person. That little PSA. Sorry, I got a soapbox. <laughs> See, Browns fans selling free tickets. That pisses me off. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty junk. That is pretty junk. And I'm actually excited for a second year of the Browns being good because I feel like so much of what is going on with the crazy tickets and, you know, you know, the orange and brown scrimmage selling out in 40 seconds. It's all that because this is new. This is uncharted territory. The Browns being, you know, number seven uh, in the sand people's rankings of, of teams that could win the Super Bowl this year has got everybody frothing and foamy at the ladder, uh, foamy at the mouth. And I think that when that this becomes not completely out of nowhere when this becomes something that, that we have seen sometime in the last three decades, you won't have to fight for, you know, 19 year old holding down training camp tickets, trying to sell them for 20 bucks. I think the last time the Browns were favored in the Super Bowl, I think my, my grandpa was like 25 years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I was just, I was just telling my, my, my girlfriend last night at dinner, I was like, man, this is the first time in my life that we are legitimately like for real. And it's, it's uncharted territories. Like you said, frothing, foaming, worked up into a lather, you name it. I'm all of those yeah. things. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable the closer the season gets because Cleveland Browns fans have been at a fever pitch for eight months now. And just they're, they're going to come out of the gate like sprinting. And it's going to be, it's going to be obnoxious, magnificently obnoxious. Beautiful. And, are gonna, and, and, and when they win, people are going to wild out and do – uh, unhealthy things, and when they lose, the sky is going to be falling. Like the town is going to live and breathe the season by the by the Cleveland Browns. Did you see how much some of the opening game tickets are going for? No, twelve hundred dollars. That's a that's a mortgage. Even even where my seats are at, and I'm in one forty nine. I'm thirty seven rows up. My seats are very expensive, but I'm not selling them. I'm going to that game. So. Yeah. Go to that game. Live yeah. that like, Imagine trying to buy new season tickets now. That's, good for you. Good for you fans that have, that have done that in this off season. Good for you guys. And I pity the ones that have to do it next year if we get even better. Oof. 
That's yeah, my not- tickets last year to this year, I think only went up like 50 or 60 bucks. I wonder what the jump was going to be next year. Oh, yeah. and, I've, and if you're not a season ticket holder, last year it was about October. They send like the renewal email like, hey, we do payment plans. Uh, I just got last week. We haven't even gone to training camp and they've already emailed me. Hey, if you want to do payment plans for next year's season tickets, we'll go ahead and take your money now. So they are, they are, they're already hitting quotas for next year. They're ready. Yeah. They're, they're lining up. Uh, Mike and his team are, they're, they're all buying very expensive cars. (laughs) Awesome. Well, fellas, it was awesome. As always, I'm really, really excited for the next one of these. It's been a great off season. We've actually produced more shows the off season this year than we had in previous seasons put uh, put together. So, so I'm excited that we have such momentum with the show. Um, and we'll be back. We'll be back soon with some real shit to talk about. I look forward to the next time you guys have me on. Heck yeah, man! We love having you on. It's uh, it's always fun. And Josh, thanks for thanks for driving. Uh, although next time, if you come in with uh, this much of a sunburn, let me know. I got to have uh, some sunglasses on, man. That is, is a rough weekend, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think it's as bad with the normal lights on, but I have my mood lighting in my, in my uh, recording lounge. Also, in the, <laughs> the office. And I think it's giving my, my skin a healthy glow. We'll yes, see. yes. I, you know, I was going to make the joke that I thought I was talking to POTUS for a second, but I didn't know if that would go over very well. Okay. Woo! <laughs> you guys save, save the heat for the end of the podcast. That's a bow bow. Otis, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go bleach myself now. I'll be. I'll be all set. <laughs> Talk to you guys soon.